Hello everybody and welcome to the Wicked Side. As always, one issue a trigger warning the things we talk about can get a little dark, a little depressing, and a little distressing. So you might want to use caution while listening to this episode. Also, it does have uh, heavy themes of gore, so if that's not what you're in the mood for today, you might want to move along. Otherwise, welcome to the Wicked Side. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wicked Side. This is Brenna. Hey, everybody, it's Tom. <laughs> oh, God, we had an adventure. Yeah, just getting here was kind of a moment, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. For some reason, none of our equipment wanted to work. Well, none of the programs wanted to work, so I had to go back in, fiddle with everything. And I don't know what I'm doing, so... This <laughs> <laughs> is just trial and error, basically. This <laughs> is trial and error, and then I finally figured out what was up, and now we're good. Hey... Um, well, thank you for your genius. It saved the moment. <laughs> that was not genius. That was accident. <laughs> well, thank you for beating on it repeatedly until it complied with your wishes. Exactly. It was <laughs> stubbornness and just determination. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got here. We did. We did. All right. So, a couple things. I thought you would find this funny. So, I haven't been feeling good lately. Allergies and all that. Fair enough. What's up? And I was in the middle of a sneezing fit yesterday, and I was trying to tell Scotty what I meant to say to him was, I think that a plant pollinates or releases its pollen at about 3 a.m. Okay. Every day, because that's when my sneezing gets bad. Like, it wakes me up in the, like, and everything. Okay. Okay. We were up late that night because reasons. But <laughs> fair. So I broke out in my sneezing fit, and I'm trying to think of how to phrase releasing pollen. Okay. What came out was, I think the plants jizz every night at 3 a.m. Okay, yes. This is <laughs> not inaccurate. No, but it is not what I meant to say. So now Scott's been teasing me, and every time we talk about plants... He's always like, you just got to be careful of that plant, Jess. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like, thanks, Scott. I've been struggling with words lately. Uh, I did it yesterday, too, at work. I couldn't think of um, the thermometer thermostat on the wall. Okay. So I asked Dan, and I was like, hey, Dan, can you go look at the um, um, indoor weather device thing? <laughs> Uh, you may have a tumor. You mean I need this checked out. <laughs> Go ahead. That looked at something. Cause I don't know. I've always said you needed your head scanned. So <laughs> they found it funny. That's great. So at least there was that a little bit of word salad in there. Ugh, it's been a time, but all right. So we'll just get into it. Deal. All right. For today's episode, Tom, I'm going to tell you a story that ties closely back to our first episode. And, uh, I don't know if you'll figure out who you are. I don't think you will. So Fair enough. I'm pretty sure this is going to be all new information to you. Either way, I think you'll enjoy it. Also, this story comes from Herodotus. So again, remember, he's likely to embellish. He likes to embellish his stories. Yeah. I actually found a translation of this story and about these people. So I'll be peppering it quite a bit from that source. Okay. The translation I'll be using comes from Fordham University Ancient History Sourcebook and was translated by George Rawlingson. Uh, 
Did I say George or George? <laughs> you said something. Okay, I'm going to redo that. The translation I'll be using comes from Fordham University Ancient History Sourcebook. It was translated by George. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> George! <laughs> George. <laughs> what is wrong with me today? Usually it's the foreign names you fuck up, but you're doing this one pretty good. I didn't even do this one right. <laughs> I'm not even editing this out. Oh, <laughs> God. George. George. I'm so sorry, George. I don't know why your name is difficult for me right hey, now. Hey, at least at least we could say, like, you know, you're an equal opportunity offender. You I mispronounce everything. Herodotus, but I didn't get George. There you go. Fair okay. enough. Anyway, from his Herodotus, the History, published by New York, Dutton & Co., and I'll give you the full name at the end of the episode as, so as not to spoil the mystery of who you are. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> we haven't even started, damn it. Normally, I begin each episode with a date of birth, but over time, that information's been lost, so we don't know when you were born. What we do know is that you were queen of the Messagate people, who were a nomadic tribe. Okay, okay. Many sources stated that it was believed you were also Scythian, which wasn't something I had heard of before, so I went to look it up. What this seems to mean is that the tribe originated from the Iranian area okay. around the 9th century and moved to west moved west from Central Asia to southern Russia and Ukraine area in the 8th and 9th centuries according to britannica.com. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So give me an idea where I'm from. Yep. So if you're interested and would like to learn more the spelling is S-C-Y-T-H-I-A-N. You should be able to to uh, search that to find out more if you'd like. And as always, I fully encourage anyone listening to go do your own research. Yeah, you got to be genuinely suspicious about the way she pronounces things. Fuck you. Hey, let's go. <laughs> so let's find out a bit more about the Messagate people and how they lived. For this, I found myself on Encyclopedia Iranica, which I didn't know was a thing. Hey. Which says they were a uh, mighty nomadic tribe reckoned to be Scythians, which is something we already covered. It also adds that while pinpointing their exact location, it's difficult to do for various reasons. We do know they were around the wide lowlands of to the east of the Caspian Sea and the southeast of the Aral Sea. Again, if you'd like to get more specific, you should be able to find out locations online. There you go. Yes. The entry also says that they were both shepherds and fishermen. They ate fish, root vegetables, and wild fruit. Okay. But they were not farmers. So they herded sheep, and from this they would collect wood and milk. They were fierce people who worshipped a single god, a sun god, and they would sacrifice horses to this deity. Their primary weapons were a bow, an arrow, a spear, and a battle axe. The metals that they used at the time were gold and bronze, and they had little access to silver or iron. Okay, okay. So this next part comes from the Fordham source, which again is Herodotus translated. It says, the following are some of their customs. Each man has but one wife, yet all the wives are held in common. For this is a custom of the Masagati and not of the Scythians. As the hmm, Hellenists wrongly say, human life does not come to its natural close with this people. But when a man grows very old, all his kinfolk collect together and offer him up in sacrifice. 
<laughs> offering at the time at the same time some cattle also after the sacrifice they boil the flesh and they feast on it and those who thus end their days are reckoned the happiest if a man huh. dies of disease they do not eat him but bury him in the ground bewailing his ill fortune and that he did not come to be sacrificed they sow no grain but live on their herds and on fish of which there is great plenty in the Araxis. Milk is what they chiefly drink. The only god they worship is the sun, and to him they offer a horse and sacrifice under the notion of giving the swiftest of the gods the swiss- swiftest of mortal creatures. Wow. I mean, you know, at least they're not doing young virgins and kids and stuff. Like, you know. Yeah, I guess. I mean, and again, we have to remember this is Herodotus. He liked to embellish. So Fair enough. They might have had some different customs, and he's just blowing it up a little bit. Fair enough. So, so Tom, this is the people you find yourself the queen of. But why are we telling you this story? Well, let's get to it. So we do know that after your husband passed, you took over as the ruler to your people. Eventually, a king known as Sirius the Great, or Cyrus the Great, sent ambassadors to you, hoping to convince you to marry their king. But you were suspicious of Cyrus's intentions. In that name, if that name sounds familiar to you, it should. We could do a whole episode just on him and the circumstances surrounding his ascension to the throne. However, ruining history, a BuzzFeed show that lasted one season and was written and hosted by Shama Day of BuzzFeed Unsolved and the Channel Watcher, and the other cha- uh, the show Pu- Puppet History, which is one of my personal favorites. Um, Hilariously, he covered a bit of him, and we'll actually touch back on that. Okay. All right. But um, Cyrus the Great is a Persian king, and interesting to note, the maternal grandfather of Xerxes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So. A little more context there. Okay. Yep. Which is why I Was he the first one that invaded Greece then? I believe so, yes. Okay, there you go. Perhaps unsurprisingly... Unsurpri- Cyrus was the founder of the first Persian Empire. Okay, there you go. Yep. Called the, and I'm going to try my best, but I'm, oh, you know what? I'm just going to spell it. Oh, yeah? A-C-H-A-E-M-E-N-I-D, Empire. Oh, man. It's like you slow walked into a stabbing there. It's just crapped up behind that name. We were like, Look, I I'm can't not even going to. George right now. Don't push me. George. Joichi, Joichi. This also made him one of the many leaders from this time that expanded by conquering other nations and assimilating them into his own. It seems that he had his eye on your kingdom. When his ambassadors arrived, they were turned away. You felt his only interest was in claiming your kingdom and your people and that you would be disposed of as soon as he wanted. So he was offering you marriage. Okay. And you're like... No, you don't want me. You want my shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not in it for me. You want the kingdom, yo. As soon as you get the kingdom, I'm going to like have a horrible accident. So no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, get that prenup, that girl. You were right, because once word reached Cyrus that his ambassadors were refused, he marched his army in your direction. He only stopped once he reached a river that blocked the way. Construction of both a bridge and boats began, so he could advance his army further. Now, if you haven't already guessed, I'll tell you who you are, just because I don't think we can really tell the rest of the story without your name. Now, nah, go ahead. What's up? All right. You are Tamiris, queen of the Massagate people. Okay. okay. Like I said, We're working on new information here. Yep. Yeah. So I figured you hadn't heard of her. Okay. Yep. 
Okay. Plus, I'm pretty sure any history buffs out there already know who I'm talking about, especially in relation to Cirrus the Great and the Messigate people. They'll know exactly who you are already. Probably from the moment we mentioned your people, actually. Well, they got me then. Let's go. Yeah. So you, Queen Tamiris, send a herald to have King Cyrus and his army meet you on his lands. Cyrus met with his advisors, and during this meeting, most recommended that they give you exactly what you want. However, one of his advisors disagreed. Herodotus says of this, but Croesus, the Lydian, who was present at the meeting of the chiefs, disapproved of this advice. He therefore arose and thus delivered his sentiments in opposition to it. O my king, I promise you long since that as Zeus has given me into your hands, I would, to the best of my power, avert impending danger from your house. Alas, my own sufferings, by their very bitterness, have taught me to be keen-sighted of dangers. If you deem yourself immortal, and your army an army of immortals, my counsel will be doubtless be thrown away upon you. But if you feel yourself to be a man, and a ruler of men, lay this first to heart, that there is a wheel on which the affairs of men revolve, and that its movement forbids the same man to be always fortunate." Now concerning the matter at hand, my judgment runs counter to the judgment of your counselors. For if you agree to give the enemy entrance into our country, considering what risk is run, lose the battle and within your whole kingdom is lost. For assuredly the Masagati, if they will win the fight, will not return to their homes, but will push forward against the states of your empire. Or if you win the battle, why then you win far less than if you were across the stream? Or you might follow up your victory for against your loss, if they defeat you on your own ground, must be set theirs in a like case. Rout their army on the other side of the river, and you may push at once into the heart of their country. Moreover, were it not disgraced intolerable for Cyrus, the son of Cambyses, to retreat or to retire before yield ground to a woman. Aha. My counsel, therefore, is that we cross the stream and pushing forwards as far as they shall fall back, then seek to get the better of them by stratagem. I I am told that they are unacquainted with the good things on which the Persians live and have never tasted the great delights of of life. Let us then prepare a feast for them in our camp. Let sheep be slaughtered without stint, and the wine cups be filled full of noble liquor, and let all manners of dishes be prepared. Then, leaving behind our worst troops, let us fall backwards to the river. Unless I very much am mistaken, when they see the good fare set out, they will forget all else and fall too. And then it will remain for us to do our parts manfully. <laughs> nice. So, for those who don't understand what was just said, he was basically... Don't let them come into our country, because if they win, they're going to keep invading. So if we fight on their land, if we win, we can do the same thing. We can invade. Mm-hmm. But also, they didn't drink. They didn't have wines and things like that. Okay. So they, uh, for what I understand, it was mostly they smoked, and that was how they imbibed. Um, huh. So they were going to leave out a table, a feast, and a whole bunch of wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's a trap. Again, they were gonna leave 
the worst of their men bind and basically be like, fuck you, bye. Hey, you guys be waiters for these dudes. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. So the king chose to go with the second plan and his army was on the move. Now, this next part is interesting because it leads us into another story I'm going to tell later. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll just stay where we're for now. Well, in the camp within Tamiris's land... Cyrus had a dream of a distant relative. Uh, this man was named Darius. Herodotus says of the dream, he seemed to see in his sleep the eldest of the sons of Hestapes with wings upon his shoulders, shadowing with one wing Asia and Europe the other. Now, Hestapes, the son of Asamis, was the race of... Mm, damn it. I practiced this word. Achi. <laughs> <sighs> Asimendi. I'll spell it. A-C-H-A-I-M-E-N-I-D-A-I. And his eldest son, Darius, was at the time scarce 20 years old. War for not being of age to go to the wars, he had remained behind in Persia. When Cyrus woke from his sleep and turned the vision over in his mind, it seemed to him no light matter. He therefore sent for Hestapes, and taking him aside, said Hestapes, Your son is discovered to be plotting against me and my crown. I will tell you how I know so certainly. The gods watch over my safety and warn me beforehand of every danger. Now last night, as I lay my head on my bed, I saw in a vision the eldest of your sons with wings upon his shoulders, shadowing with one wing Asia and Europe with the other. From this, it is certain beyond all possible doubt that he is engaged in some sort of plot against me. <laughs> yeah, from yeah, a yeah. dream. From a dream. Yeah, yeah. No, no, the dream with the wings, bro. And yeah. You're covering Europe and Asia, bro. He's a traitor. That's how I know. <laughs> For sure. Return That's you then the test. at once to Persia and be sure when I come back from conquering the Masagati to have your son ready to produce before me that I may examine him. So after proclaiming his loyalty to Cyrus, Hestapes left to return back to Persia to look into his son's activities. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I that- hope this is embellishment. <laughs> Let this be the Herodotus em- embellishment, please. Well, it leads into another story. So, like I said, we'll get into that. Now, back to the battle. The king did as his advisors suggested, and they set up a camp with plenty of food and drink. Lots and lots and lots and lots of drink, in fact. Your troops moved in, led by your son, dispatched a few of the men that they had left behind, and began to feast and drink upon the bounty. And they drank heavily until most of them passed out. This is when Cyrus attacked, slaughtering many of the men and capturing others, including your son, Bergasses. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Jumped him. Ha! It's a trap. Yeah. As soon as Sir reached you that your men had been defeated and your son captured, you went. You sent a messenger with a warning to the king. Once more, we return her to, to Herodotus's words. You bloodthirsty Cyrus, pride not yourself on this poor success. It was the grape juice, which when your drink makes you so mad, as you swallow it down, brings up to your lips such bold and wicked words. It was this poison by which you ensnared my child, and so overcame him, not in a fair open fight. Now hear what I advise, and be sure I advise you for your own good. Restore my son to me, and get you from my land unharmed, triumphant over the third party of the host of the Masagati. Refuse, and I swear by the son, the sovereign lord of the Masagati, bloodthirsty as you are, I will give you your Philip blood. <laughs> That's a neat threat. Yep. I like that. 
Of course, the king wasn't about to give up the advantage, so he ignored her message. However, since Sparagasses recovered from his stupor, he begged the king to give him at least the dignity of being released from his bonds. Cyrus did that, and your son used the chance to take his own life rather than be used against you as a pawn. Herodotus doesn't say how, just that he destroyed himself. Okay. Now, I'm not sure if you found out before your messenger returned with the king's dismissal or after, but you hadn't made an idle threat. You readied your men for battle. Herodotus gave a description of what came next. Tamirish, then when she she found out that Cyrus paid no heed to her advice, collected all the forces of her kingdom and gave him battle. All of the combats in which the barbarians have engaged among themselves, I reckon this to have been the fiercest. The following, as I understand, was the manner of it. First, the two armies stood apart and shot their arrows at each other. Then, when the quivers were empty, they closed and fought hand to hand with the lances and daggers, and thus they continued fighting for a length of time, neither choosing to give ground. At length, the Masagati prevailed, the greater part of the army of the Persians was destroyed, and Cyrus himself fell after reigning nine and twenty years. Search was made among the slain by order of the queen for the body of Cyrus. And when it was found, she took a skin, and filling it with human blood, she dipped the head of Cyrus in the gore, saying, as she thus insulted the corpse, I live and have conquered you in fight, and yet by you I am ruined, for you took my son with guile. But thus I make good my threat, and give you your fill of blood. (laughs) Yep. Of the many different accounts which are given of the death of Cyrus, this is the one that I've followed because it appears to be from the most worthy credits. Fair enough. And sadly, that's really where your story ends. We don't know anything about what happened to you after the event. Through the records of um, Cetius of Snidus, I think I said that right. Okay. 5th century Greek historian and physician, or a king named... Why do I keep putting these names in and think I'm going to remember how to say them later? I'm not. It's a good question. Sunka, I believe, was S-K-U-N-K-A-H-A, eventually replaced you, but he was defeated by Cyrus's successor, a man we mentioned earlier, Darius. Oh, nice. Yeah. Now, I tell you all this because I learned how Darius came into power after Cyrus's death from, again, the show called Ruining History that was written by Shane Madej. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to give credit while it's due. Shane is, uh, of course, the half of the BuzzFeed Unsolved duo. Okay. We've already covered all of that. They eventually split off and formed Watcher and Puppet History, like I said. And please go watch those because they're wonderful. They also have a show called Too Many Spirits while they get drunk and tell each other bad ghost stories and it's hilarious nice okay and for those still not familiar with him he's the dude from the meme where there's a guy standing outside in a coat being filmed by a night vision camera and everything's kind of in a green tint and at the bottoms there's the capture hey there demons it's your boy (laughs) that's shade so (laughs) if you've seen that meme that's that's where it came from (laughs) that's that's where it came from anyway returning to our story after tamiris divorced cyrus's head from his body one of his sons stood to take over he had two one named cambyses and the other named smeritus cambyses was the one to inherit the throne and cambyses was not a dude you could ever describe to be chill okay he also didn't hold his seat of power for very long mostly due to his own foolishness hey that's a story told throughout history right 
Not long after taking over the throne, he decided to go conquer Egypt, which hmm. he actually did. Nice. Um, I would normally tell you the pharaoh's name, there, but there's been enough killing in this episode, and I've already struggled, so I'm just going to spell it instead. Murdered again. Yeah, right. This pharaoh. A murder on the Nile, if you will. <laughs> pharaoh. P S A M T I K the third. Apparently, after this con- shut up after this <laughs> conquest, he asked to see the court's sacred bull, and then he proceeded to stab it to death in front of everybody. I still think you should give it a try, just for the audience's no, sake. No, I'm not, and you missed the bull stabbing. I heard the bull stabbing. I'm still. I still. I think you should. You're. You're. You are. Uh, you are not giving our audience what they come here for, and yeah, I, I think is, I'm not doing it. Aww, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> you can you can just be disappointed. Aww. So again, yeah, I stabbed the bull in front of everybody. I had no chill. So. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. sometimes you just gotta stab a bull. That's how it is back when, you know. Right, hey. right. <laughs> also, um, if you remember. Cyrus's advisor, Croesus the Lydian, who made the plan to leave the food and drink. Okay. He became an advisor to Cambyses as well. Okay. Okay. He had to have words with the new king about how he treated his men. Oh. <laughs> Cambyses got furious, pulled out a bow and arrow, and took aim. And Croesus, of course, ran for his life. <laughs> God, this guy's a fucking psycho. <laughs> right. The king then ordered his advisor be hunted down and killed for his insult. Law. The officers did hunt him down. However, they couldn't bring themselves to kill the advisor. They hid the old man instead, hoping the king would eventually forgive him. A few days after the attempted murder, the king did in fact regret his decision and lamented the death of his advisor and friend. Okay, okay. The officers then told their king that he didn't need to lament because Croesus was in fact alive. The king was thrilled. He was so thrilled, in fact, that he had the same officers executed for disobedience. Oh, Again, okay. zero chill. Okay. Even when he was happy. Sir, could you calm down, please, sir? Nope. No, apparently he couldn't. And what actions, you might ask, would lead Croesus to feel the need to speak up to this type of king in the first place? <laughs> well, during the episode of Ruining History about this topic, we learned that Cambyses was told by one of his men, and I'm saying this because I couldn't find another source, okay. but he was told one of his men by one of his men that he ought not to drink so much. Okay. His yes. alcohol dulls. That usually senses. goes well. Yeah. And the king's response was to have the man's son brought out and his bow and arrows brought to the king. Oh, shit. Basically, he told the man if he was that drunk and dull, he wouldn't be able to shoot the man's son. <laughs> he then proceeded to shoot the man's son through the heart. Oh, jeez. So maybe Croesus had a point, um, you know? Maybe uh, don't, don't shoot your men's kids. Probably not. That's yeah. probably... Doesn't inspire much loyalty. But I can't figure out for the life of me why he thought it was a good idea to voice this opinion to this particular dude. Yeah, it didn't seem like it gets yeah. you very far. Who liked to use actual arrow points to make his arguments. So. Right. <laughs> so as you can imagine, this lack of chill manifested in paranoia. So much so that when he left for Egypt, he put what was the equivalent of a holy man in charge of his brother instead of his brother Smerdis, who he took with him. Didn't leave Smerdis behind, brought him with him. Okay, right. that's not bad. Yeah, but Cambyses was still worried his brother would take over, so much so that he actually dreamed about it. And then he ordered his brother to go back to Persia, which makes no sense at all for obvious reasons. Why would you send him to the place you were afraid to take over alone? But he did. And anyway, Cambyses seemed to realize that that was a stupid choice, 
and he had a man named Prince Axpies, a man who's the who's actually the man whose son got shot through the heart with the arrow. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. To kill Smeritus in secret, which unsurprisingly he did because clearly this is this king is unhinged. Yes, obviously. Yeah, and I don't know if he killed the guy's son before or after this incident either. I'm, a, you know. Okay, fair enough. So now, it's a jumble of it's a jumble of murdery events. It it really is. Now, after knowing this, you it can sounds imagine. like Game of Thrones, though. I'm sorry, it does sound like a Game of Thrones parallel plot right? at this point. Like it's wild. Yeah, 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 it's fucking wild. Now, after knowing this, you can imagine how surprised Cambyses was to hear that his dead brother had ascended the throne. And remember, at this point, only Cambyses and Prince Axpies knew that the real Smeritus was dead. So the king wanted to investigate and return home to claim his throne. Only one problem with that. When he mounted his horse, he accidentally stabbed himself in the thigh. Oh, jeez. Which then got infected. Oh, jeez. What a fucking comedy of murderous errors. Right? Now it's really starting to sound Game of Thronesy. Yeah. It gets wilder, though. So to surmise, Cyrus dies, leaving his two sons. One son kills the other and then accidentally kills himself. Okay. Okay. So there seems to be an imposter on the throne and only one dude who knows the truth. <laughs> and that dude is not about to go announcing that he offed a prince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't, that no, doesn't no, sound no. like it's going to end well for no, him. No, you don't, you don't get praised for that. There's no, no like, oh, you told the truth. Good job. Yeah. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You keep that as quiet as you can for as long <laughs> as you can. And you move if you can. Yep. <laughs> be a stranger in a far off land <laughs> real quick. So who's the guy on the throne? Well, it turns out the holy man that Cambyses left in charge had a brother. A brother who was also named Smeritus. <laughs> this Smeritus might have been a, had a bit of a grudge against the royal family since the former King Cyrus had his ears cut off. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a reason to have beef. <laughs> so to hide this noticeable injury, the imposter king wore a turban at all times. <laughs> Oh, man. Now, most of the people seemed to believe the man on the throne was the real Prince Smeritus. However, there was an older noble who remembered the whole ear removal incident and <laughs> thought the man claiming to be king might be the same guy. To check, he asked his daughter, who was a concubine to the king, to look while the man slept. And his suspicions were confirmed. The faux king sported a distinct lack of ears. <laughs> oh, God. It is him. It is him, dude. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't going to go well. So basically, they tried to avoid everybody at court that had actually met the real Smeritus. <laughs> yeah. So no questions came up, but apparently they looked pretty much alike. So. Okay. So they had the same name and they looked alike. Just, yeah. Lucky? Genetic? <laughs> but he wasn't the only nobleman who had questions about the new king. Darius, the guy we mentioned earlier, suspected the man on the throne might be fake and showed up to join a group of other nobles who were also getting suspicious. With this confirmation of the fake king's injury, they began to plot. The fake king and his brother heard about this and decided to use Prince Axpies to cover up their claim. Okay. Now, I don't know if they knew what Prince Axpies had done or if if they knew that he was close to the real Smeritus. Okay. So they just were like, hey, vouch for us, you know? So I don't know if this is basically blackmail or they just coerced him, you uh. know? And it's unclear. <laughs> Next week on Game of Thrones. <laughs> but one way or another, they talked him into making a public statement from a tower. However, Prince Axpies decided to do the opposite. Once there, he told the crowd everything, including that he was the assassin of the original Prince Smeritus. <laughs> and after demanding that the people fight back against the fake on the throne, he threw himself out of the tower and died after abruptly meeting the ground. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's not the falling that kills you. It is the sudden stop, though. It is the sudden stop, yeah. So the nobleman attacked, and Darius stabbed the fake king through the heart. A lot of heart stabbing in this episode. Yeah. And the brother was beheaded. A lot of beheading in this episode, too. Okay. Now there was an empty throne, and the kingdom was up for grabs. And the nobleman decided the weirdest fucking way to decide who was going to be the new king. Okay. And Tom... Uh, Okay. This is a sympathy of stupidity. (laughs) I just... It's just too perfect. Yeah. They decided they would line up their horses, and the first horse to neigh after sunrise would be (laughs) king. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That is a great way to pick your fucking leader. That is... I have never... (laughs) We should switch the American political process to that. You're right. (laughs) So Darius asked his groom for help. His groom had a very gross plan. Oh, come I on. I can't believe I'm going to read this. Oh, boy. <coughs> There's always the one guy in the group. <laughs> yeah. The whole reason I felt the need to share this story, even though it didn't really have anything to do with Tamiris, just because history is fucking weird. The groom's plan was to visit the mare that Darius's horse favored. <laughs> <laughs> I don't don't like where this is going. I don't. I don't at all like where this is going. Yeah, because it goes there. The groom then rubbed his hand all over the horse's lady parts. Oh, Jesus. Put his hand in his pocket. I don't want to be here anymore. (laughs) As soon as the sun rose, took his hand out of his pocket and let Darius's horse take a good whiff. And this made the horse neigh. And yeah, that's how King Darius came to power. All right. Bravo on your strategy, <laughs> sir, but golly. <laughs> and that's the man that would eventually defeat the Messagate and come into power. I mean, here it is victory, but at what cost? Right. <laughs> the infinite stink palm. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, God. So, yeah, Tom, uh, that's the Wicked Edge of Tamiris, the Bloody Queen, and the bonus story of the Wild Line of I'm, Succession. I'm so glad you throne. saved that for the end, because, like, man, I, I'm <laughs> really, I, I'm done with that story. Um, <laughs> holy shit. Oh, holy shit. Horse pussy won the guy at Kingdom. Hey, <laughs> I guess, I guess, uh, <laughs> just hey buddy hey buddy get a whiff of this <laughs> fuck you now i visualized it uh, i don't like you i had to tell you that story i'm sorry i could not i don't i don't like you <laughs> just saying i mean it worked you just, got the kingdom <laughs> I, I don't like you <laughs> i'm just because now i just see it playing out i hate you so much not what I thought I'd be visualizing today. Uh, yeah, you would think a head being dunked into a skin of human blood would have been. Like, no, 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 no. Out, it was but... palming some horse poon tang for me. <laughs> oh, oh god, it was, it was, it was, uh, it, it was palming it. It was palming some horse poon tang, and then to <laughs> pocket it, then let your horse prolifically. <laughs> I, I don't know. Can't use that. I can't use like enough alliteration for this to make it good. <laughs> uh, like the rest of the day, you had to be like, oh, don't put anything in that pocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh god. Yeah, I thought you would find that uh, interesting at the very least. At the very least. Yeah, but yeah, Ugh. that was the guy who did go go on to defeat your kingdom. So. 
Okay. Okay. He won, huh? The yep, he won. Old stink palm won. <laughs> well, his groom had the stink palm, technically. So. I mean, oh. winner by stink palm. It does sound like, finish him, stink palm. Right. Oh, oh Lord. I am... I don't know how I feel about this. Great story. And that ending, yo. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just think of the, the connection to everything, though. It did have a connection, of course, to the Leonidas, you know, um, mm-hmm. tale. And then it does have this connection to a separate story that I knew from Ruining History that was fucking hilarious. And I do go watch Shane's telling of it because it's fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. He is so good at delivery. Um, but yeah. Jeepers. <laughs> okay. Well, nice. Well, this was a good episode in my ultra hot office, which by the way, seems to be shrinking episode by episode. Yeah. You did add a few more things in here. Yeah. It looks like a uh, cyber parking garage it at this point. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. yeah there's... <laughs> it's getting more comfortable in here for me. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that we had to we had to use a smaller table today. Yes. <laughs> Cuz the other table wouldn't fit. I had to move in another racing rig. <laughs> you have a problem, sir. You have a problem. I also have an arcade. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Is that a problem? I don't know. <laughs> but here we are uh, amongst my toys. Um I'm yep. leaning back over one of my chairs to have space. Yeah, like, I see it's that. It's pretty fucking great. I'm trapped in a corner over here. It's a great corner to be trapped in. Don't. don't. Yeah, I was ready to say you're happy about it though. I'm. I'm not mad. <laughs> but I know it's hot in here. Holy yeah. smokies. Yeah, I did have um, one funny story from work though that I wanted to tell you. Oh, hit because me. Because it. It's yeah. Kind of goes along the lines of stupid. You know? Oh, yay! Here we go. Yeah. So um, I was working on this. I did a, a pin up on a guy's arm. It turned out great very happy with it okay and then i realized that um it had been a saturday night a lot of my staff wanted to leave a little early it was toward the end of the night they had gotten all the cleaning and chores done but you know they're young yeah yeah, time to go do shit so i was like yeah you guys go you know not a problem um afterwards i realized i hadn't gotten the guy's paperwork done and i'm like shit we need to do that yeah you gotta sign some things i grabbed a random pen and handed it to him. He filled out the paperwork. I wrote what I needed to. And then I uh, got a copy of his ID, which we have to do. Okay. Right? Well, I I put the paper in so it prints on the back. Yeah. Okay. So he, uh, as he's going, he's like, all right, I'm going to head out. And I'm like, all right, cool. Here's your ID back. Thank you so much, dude. I appreciate it. I got the paper in my hand. And uh, he takes off. I'm kind of cleaning up, tidying the desk. And then I look at the paper and it's blank. <laughs> now it's got his his idea on the back. Yeah, yeah. But the paper is blank, and I'm like, "What the fuck? This is not how it's supposed to be." No. And I'm like, "I remember writing on this. I remember writing on this. No, I wrote on this." And I'm like, "Scotty, Scotty, something's going on." Scotty is like laughing at me because I am like thinking right. I'm losing my mind. I need like, my paperwork. I do it. I know I wrote on it. Why is there nothing on this paper? Mm-hmm. I am freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Because I'm thinking I've lost my mind. 
I just hallucinated all of that, you know, because okay. clearly there's no writing on this paper. Freaking out. So I'm, I'm staring at it, I'm staring at it, I'm staring at it, and I kind of turn the paper, and then I, I catch, like, a very faint, like, yellowish kind of impression. Uh-huh. So I hold it up, and I can see it. There was writing. It mm-hmm. just faded all the way to this almost impossible to perceive yellow. Uh-huh, okay. It was an erasable pen. <laughs> and the ink disappears yep. because of friction, the heat. The heat. And yeah, it, yeah so running it through it. the printer, which yeah. was warm, made it all just vanish. Nice. That's hilarious. You wrote that shit on invisible ink, and we're like, where did it go? I was panicked. I was like, what am I going to do? And you can still see it. Like, uh-uh. you can still faintly see it. And after a while, it kind of came back a little bit. Yeah, it, yeah. it was like a faint gray, but you could still clearly read everything. So I was like, Yay. just holy shit. Wow. I would uh, not freaking believe that that happened. <laughs> I'm magic. I wrote it in Harry Potter ink. I've, I've had an interesting few weeks at work. I was about to say, at work, at home, all of the above. Yeah, and then I ate shit. So for those who don't know, that is a kind of a Midwestern term for face planting or falling face first into the ground. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, be specific. <laughs> yeah. Um Everybody was taking photos outside for shop merchandise and things like that. And I, I was working and I've been sick at this point for like two weeks. I did not want to be in photographs. Did not have any makeup on. Was not interested. And, uh, boss like jokingly tried to corral me out there. His is not his fault. And I want to be very clear on that. This was my own stupidity because I forgot that I'm old and fat now and I can't do shit the way I used to. <laughs> Athleticism so, has left the building. It's gone. It's gone. I rolled and I rolled low. So, <laughs> so I tried to dodge around him and then take off toward the door. And the dodge was great. The dodge was very artful. However, it was the takeoff that yeah. I fucked up. <laughs> and I had to make a choice between my face or my hands. And I chose to protect my face. So. Palms are scraped up. My knees are scraped up. I'm sitting here with brand new scraped up knees like I'm 12 again. And I I didn't remember hurting that much when I was a kid, but it hurts. Your palms (laughs) are sweaty. Your knees weak. Your arms were heavy. Uh, Right. I don't know. I'm just a mess. I'm a fucking mess. Oh, man. Um... Yeah, I can see it. I can just see the ha ha. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just you play like the the NES eight big you know music noise over. So between planches and invisible ink and eating shit, it's just it's it's been a time for me. And then an episode about Equin Poontang Palmers. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's why I had to ruin your week too. Thanks. <laughs> That's how I'll forever remember this episode. That's You've stained her legacy. <laughs> yeah, oh, poor Tobira. She probably deserved it better than it's, that. It's the EPP episode for me now. <laughs> Which episode was that? Was that the EPP episode? The EPP. Yeah. That Poutang Palmer. I was going to title this The Bloody Queen, but should I title it the EEP? The EPP, first off. EPP, sorry. I mean... Yes, because then they'll actually have to go through the entire episode to know why it's named that. Yeah. Equin Poontang Palmer. There you go, everyone. <laughs> Repeat that throughout your day. I'm going to write it down. <laughs> I hope that gets stuck in somebody else's head like it got stuck in mine. Just 
your welcome world. I, I guarantee one other will. person will just find themselves randomly like Equine Poontang Palmer. We have a we have a few listeners that that listen to this at work and have told me that fact and uh, so yeah and you keep hearing this played over i hope you're listening to it in headphones because if not it got real awkward in the office today <laughs> <laughs> he did what there's like two people leaning over their cubicles like what the fuck or there's a bunch of people just sitting there hunched over going i didn't need to know any of that i can't believe you took it out of this <laughs> you're welcome uh, this is definitely the thanks I hate it moment. Yeah, thanks I hate it. It's, <laughs> it was it was wonderful and terrible. <laughs> uh, all oh right. Other uh, than hot, this has been a fantastic episode. I'm glad you liked it, but like I said, I, I, it's an interesting story. I hadn't heard of her. I hadn't really heard of her people. You know? No, me neither. That was definitely. Uh, I filled in some historical gaps and then, you know, tying it to the Persian Empire. And so, you know, it gave us some, some good uh, touchstones for things, A, we've already talked about and things that are just, you know, more relevant or known. Yeah. Fills um, in a few of the gaps of history. Yeah. Let you know where you stand. It gives you context. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much to any new listeners. Thank you to any returning listeners. We really appreciate you guys. Thank you to the Paranormal Podcasting community. We appreciate the support. And uh, thank you, Tom, for putting up with me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for bringing us the EPP. <laughs> You're so welcome. <laughs> uh, we have the weirdest fucking relationship. <laughs> yeah. <All> yeah. Right. <laughs> Jesus. We'll see you on the other side. See ya.